Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, Homo Sapiens listeners. I'm just jumping on here. Did you hear me jump? To tell you that we have exciting news. If you want to listen to Homo Sapiens without the ads, now you can. You can subscribe to Homo Sapiens Plus on Apple Podcasts and all future episodes will be ad free. How do you sign up? Well, go inside your Apple Podcasts app, go to our Homo Sapiens homepage, and the option to subscribe to Homo Sapiens Plus for £1.49 a month is there. There's also BT Dubs, a seven-day free trial available, so you can try before you buy, which is my favourite. I like to do that in the supermarket whenever they've got a little snack being handed out. Anyway. Hello, part two. Uh, Chat with Dan Howells, or Daniel. Dan? Lovely stuff. Have you heard part one? It's on the feed. Go get it first. How is your mental health today? It is in a lot better place because my entire journey as an entertainer has just been about giving myself therapy in public under the guise of trying to entertain people. So I was just going through a checklist of being like, all right, I guess I should uh, talk about what it's like to deal with depression. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing with my, my career. I dropped out of college. That was quite stressful. What is the meaning of life? I'm having an existential crisis. And then, oh, wait, I'm gay. I need to talk about that now. Just Mm -hmm. my creative process was a form of self-therapy that is giving yourself the time to sit in a moment of quiet and really be honest with yourself about the feelings that are lurking in the background. Mm. Because we all have things that we don't want to just get back from a day at work. And you're like, I don't want to think about this. I want to just drink white wine and watch something. I want to watch seven episodes of Stranger Things in a row. And that's fair enough. But eventually, you know, you have to confront these things. So my career has accidentally helped a lot with that. And also the process of me writing the book just illuminated me to all of these very small micro changes that you can make in your lifestyle. And now I just have to practice what I preach. So the downside is, if I ever feel bad, I know I have no one to blame but myself, because I know absolutely all the things that I could do to make myself feel better. And now I just simply have no excuses for self-destructing, which is terrible. I regret it completely. (laughs) Yes, but also, you know, not that you need this advice from me, but like, I also think you're allowed to know all the reasons and fuck them off anyway sometimes, you know? 100%. And go, do you know what? I know I'd feel better if I go for a run, but I'm not going to, and I don't want to. And it's, yeah, it's interesting what you say about wanting, you know, to have a glass of wine or, you know, drink white wine and watch Stranger Things. And (laughs) it's like, there is a link between likes and feedback online and Mm -hmm. wine and television. They are all little 
dope I'm not qualified to say any of this, by the way. Like dopamine hits that keep they you are away. all micro doses of the little positive thing that just keeps yeah. you going moment to moment. Absolutely. Yeah. But there is something, as you say, radical and righteous about knowingly self-destructing because you just want to. Mm-hmm. Do I want to go for that run? No. Power. <laughs> Power to you. Go you. You sit yes. on that couch. Absolutely. And do you think that you did radically self-destruct in a more long-term sense on purpose in order to <laughs> break down to come back up that thing? Absolutely. When I ghosted YouTube in 2018, that was me going, I have to put up boundaries. I will lock myself in a vault. I will be like a talentless, miraculousness Jesus rolling a boulder in front of my own cave and I will not come out until I have such an epic breakdown I will have finally come out as gay and it worked. So yeah, sometimes you need to do the Adele strategy not to just come out with a a masterpiece of music that speaks to people on an emotional level but just to finally confront the personal issues that you're dealing with Mm -hmm. doing an Adele. So what did that look like when you shut down your YouTube and you go, right, and and I'm wondering about the intersection between that and your mental health and that and your gayness and mm. where they join and link. Because I, I feel like I can relate to everything you're saying. And my, my tiny version, which was not a big breakdown, is that before I came out, I, I didn't know I was going to come out, but I was at university and I was like, I need to tell people because I said I'd do it at the beginning of year one and I didn't. <laughs> and now it's getting to the end of year one and I don't want it to flow into year two. I started making this lamp out of bits of plastic in my room and I just didn't come out of my room for three, four days. And everyone was like, what's wrong? What's wrong with Chris? Mm, mm. And, uh, and then I finished making the lamp and I came out of my room and then I came out the closet to everybody. And then that lamp was forever called my gay lamp. Everyone was like, Oh, it's Chris's gay lamp because that I still- is the gayest way to have a breakdown. <laughs> so what, what kind of self-destruction are you going to partake in? I'm going to go in a room and I'm going to make a lamp. I'm going to make soft furnishings. Good for you. Work. But I wouldn't actually ever let myself have the full breakdown. Like, I feel like maybe it might yet happen or who knows, but I haven't ever actually allowed myself it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you do in, you closed your computer window and then what did you do? There is the old adage that a breakdown is a breakthrough, hitting mm-hmm. the bottom, the only way is up, blah, blah, blah etc. Because it's 100% true that sometimes you need to knowingly burn some bridges, tell people to go away, lock yourself in a room, make a lamp, whatever Mm -hmm. is required in order to have a moment of honesty with yourself that allows you to make a decision. Because usually the things that we're running away from on life involve some kind of dramatic confrontation. Maybe we need to come out as gay and that's a confrontation. Maybe we need to quit our job. Maybe we need to get rid of that toxic friend in our life or whatever. Mm -hmm. And usually it's a fear that we're running away from this inevitable confrontation. Sometimes you really have to, it's almost like a deadline compelling a procrastinator to finally start working at the last minute which is literally the only way I get things done with Mm. life-threatening arbitrary deadlines that scare me into actually doing things. You need to push yourself up against the wall so that you actually have nowhere to turn, but finally deal with the issue. And that's what I did. I said, I'm not going to create anymore. I'm not going to show my face in public. I'm not going to do any of these things until I finally deal with this. And I just began this 
writing process of about six months, which wasn't six months of just typing because every now and then I hit a roadblock like, oh, (laughs) I need to come out to my family before I just tell everyone publicly on the internet. That'd be (laughs) kind of rude. So it was an organic series of micro confrontations in my life that Mm -hmm. forced me to finally get this thing done. And the moment I posted the video, it's such a, well, there was two moments. There was the moment when I silently acknowledged to myself that I wasn't going to mince, ironically, around confronting the fact that I'm gay. That's just a fact. I'm not going to have any feelings about it. I'm not going to worry about what this means. I'm just going to accept quietly inside myself, also, no pun intended, that I'm gay and that's all right, Yeah, which was huge. That was a monumental shift for me where... Mm there were obviously fears and doubts and worries about what would come, but also this pressure, this kind of anxiety of a haunting presence that was threatening to get me. I immediately, that it just disappeared and I felt Mm -hmm. a lot lighter. And then the moment I came out, I just felt, wow, I feel free. I feel light. Everything's okay. And it was as if I had this terrible skeleton in my closet as we said like i murdered someone and one day i was going to get exposed but right. the, the horrible truth that was just waiting to be exposed was um i was born gay that's just a fact and it's all right which is crazy that mm-hmm. i could feel so terrified of a fundamental aspect of myself for so long but then the moment it was public it just completely evaporated which is why i now radically compel anyone else to come out as soon as their circumstances allow them to and when, that was publicly and privately. Mm-hmm. But but you said earlier that you were, I can't remember the phrases you used. Exactly. Uh, participating in a gay lifestyle on yeah, some so, level without being publicly gay. Yeah, were you like getting off with people in clubs? Yeah, or? there was this, well, there's been the, there was the rumor like, is Dan some level of bisexual <laughs> person? Right. For me, coming out wasn't so much of just saying, hey guys, I'm not straight because I don't know if anyone ever thought I was straight without getting into the problematic topic of guessing someone's sexuality from how they behave and what that means. But there was such a huge difference for me between being like, "Mm, maybe I'm some kind of not gay. What do people think about it? Whatever. And just the sheer audacity of saying in a video title, which is what my process was, I'm gay. Yeah. And just putting it out there and just being like, boom, mic drop, what are you going to do about it? Right, moving on with life. Mm. But it was always so vague and undefined that people would ask me. I mean, I, I did a, an interview for the first tour that I did. And this guy from the Sunday Times, just some like boomer 50-year-old journalist who didn't know better, bless him. What can the straights do? They can't help but be horrible. This is just the <laughs> default personality they're given. Just went, hey, I Googled you. And apparently some people say you're gay. You're gay? Which is bestie, not it. You can't just <laughs> say that. You don't know what the ever-loving Christ is going on in someone's life. Yeah. But what are you going to do? And that's the thing. There was such. I just wanted to be free of that. You had to eventually, and put, bloody hell, give the queers a break. We have to mm. constantly come out. We have to explain things. By the sheer audacity of us just not being default normal, which isn't mm. even normal, but that's mm-hmm. just what human society has done. We are just forced to constantly explain ourselves and to uh, break the news to some people and to clarify this aspect of our gender or our sexuality. And it's exhausting. <laughs> yes, it really is. And what did you say to that journalist? Uh, I think I went, well, I don't like to talk about that because my personal life is 
not public information or whatever. And he went, okay. Which was me saying, I'm not a reality star here. I'm here to be a writer and an entertainer. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, yeah. I want to be someone that just makes stuff, puts out there. And then people like my work. I'm not here mm-hmm. to be a Kardashian. Mm-hmm. I could be, but that's not what I wanted to be for dozens of reasons. So question for you, what, when you did accept it, did it unlock in you? Because, so for example, like you were talking about the the sort of fear about coming out and, and mm. that. And I, so I'll give you my example. I, I think if I actually think about what I was so afraid of is being a man that's broken. So it was a gender thing. It wasn't uh, about yeah, sex yeah. and any of that. It was about being a man that's broken, which is really surprising to myself because I'm like, well, I don't really buy into any of that crap. And my mm-hmm. family didn't. So it's really odd that that's actually, if I break it down, that's what's going on. Yeah. What was it for you? It was the, that's so gay, therefore gay equals bad. I know mm-hmm. on some level I'm gay, therefore I am bad. Mm-hmm. Is it a mix of not being a man? Is it that I won't have the heterosexual biological life? Is it some Christianity part? Is it just that I'm afraid of being bullied and mm-hmm. gay people dealing with homophobia? It was all of that that in a nutshell just came down to, I am 360 broken, not just broken as a man, but mm-hmm. that I am wrong and that things will never work out for me because I had such a terrible childhood <laughs> mm-hmm. dealing with all the homophobic stuff. The, the moment, because I knew for years, I mean, you know, society has been relatively less homophobic as things have gone on in the last 10 years. And yeah. I've never been homophobic, but sure, when I was 22, 23, 24, 25, all on Twitter, Australia legalizes gay marriage. Yes, here I am. So on Twitter saying, go Australians. I'm still in the closet, but I'm, I'm saying that. I knew that being gay wasn't bad but I just had to say to myself look mate (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is a fact and you just have to deal with it and that was a powerful moment and do you think that I'm wondering and I'll talk about myself because then you can give your version like do you think that there's something in it of being like if you're used to being a version of a uh, being a person who's who wins who's good at everything who Mm. like very privileged, like, you know, being a white man, what privilege Mm -hmm. that you're actually having to accept that there's something about yourself that is a bit different. And maybe deep down, you don't want to be different. I was like, damn, I almost got the perfect privilege scorecard. I'd have been like white, able-bodied, born in Britain. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. It's so good. God damn it. I'm gay. Mm. Almost. Why do you have to go and ruin it? Jesus. And that's, it's your internalized prejudice which in this sense manifests as homophobia but it is that isn't it it's like you actually have to realize that you're really holding on to shit ideas of what it is to be a person and actually what I've enjoyed about coming out in many many years ago now is understanding that like the beauty of life is is the more different you are the more beautiful you are I think absolutely and for me, it was that fear that my life would be less successful because there are homophobic people out there. Mm. And I just didn't want to open myself up to the negativity. I didn't like the idea that I was going to limit myself until I realized, mm. well, if that is on the terms of other people's bigotry, I shouldn't want that. Yeah. And it was that moment that I went, bing, click. Well, now I feel fearless because if I 
fundamentally believe the truth, which is anyone that has a problem with it is wrong, then that's empowering. And now I suspect that the reaction has been 99.99% amazing. Am I right? Absolutely. I'm quite lucky to have had an audience that was always quite accepting and nice and wholesome. I had people that had come out to me on previous tours just because they said, you always talk about how it's okay for other people to be gay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you're so open (laughs) about your struggles with mental health. But I just really feel that I can open up to you, which for me was one of the reasons why I, you know, I felt like a horrible sham. It was one of the things that was driving Mm -hmm. me to force myself to take a break because I felt like I, people were treating me with such openness and honesty and it was amazing and that I needed to treat them the same way Mm. for sure. And just help me with the timeline. So when was the book written in terms of timeline of coming out, taking a break from YouTube and book being released? I um, came out as gay, Mm -hmm. uh, disappeared into the ether to work on a series of long-term projects that were going to be really exciting, like going on a tour. Then the world ended. Ah. As the world started to end, someone said, do you want to write a book about mental health? And I said, that is basically offensive (laughs) to request me to do that (laughs) right now. And then I thought, oh, for God's sake, do I have a moral (laughs) obligation to do this? Probably. Will the act of me writing a book help me huh well that's a lovely selfish motivation to do it so the whole year that the world was ending i was writing about how to pick yourself up and make yourself feel better and then it came out next year just as things were starting to get back to normal again so it was very serendipitous timing i think that other people said wow this book it really just slapped me around the face it spoke some sense into me it made me feel better it got me up to just make some changes and now I feel better I'm thinking well it was serendipitous timing for me too because I had to spend the last six seven eight nine months writing it (laughs) when I needed it most jewelry isn't a gift you give just once It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's a fucking brilliant book. And I I love the three kind of structure, three part structure mm. to it, which is how how to get them. I'm saying this for listeners, not you. You've obviously been involved. <laughs> no, remind me. <laughs> yeah. So so what it is, Dan, is a great book. Um, it's tonight, how to get through tonight, what to do tomorrow, and then the days after that. And it immediately struck me because I, when it came out, I read it. And um, it immediately struck me 
how straightforward and obvious that was. And actually, I haven't seen that at all. And it's so actionable and useful, but also full of your personality and, and really <laughs> funny. And one of the things I loved about, I remember that bit, which was um, understanding that you're not God. <laughs> yeah, you is, do not have omnipotent control over all these things in your life. You need to just let it go. Did therapy teach you that or did you? Oh, 100%. That book was a combination of my own because girls, I have been through it. <laughs> okay. Like I have, I've been up, I've been down. I've had every kind of reflection. It could not have gone worse. It could not have gone better sometimes. So there's a kind of perspective as people go, wow, Dan, you're so wise. It's like, well, that only comes from making a lot of mistakes. Just to- <laughs> A whole lifetime of constant failure that every now and then allows you to reflect and go, maybe I learned something from that. Yeah. Which is me putting it in and like the structure of the book being like, right, there is things that you need to know to deal with a moment where you're feeling bad right now. There are what you can do tomorrow when you want to make small changes to make you feel better. And then there's the long-term stuff that is hard that you need to go on. And that is things that I learned through therapy. Those are realizations that I had myself. And I consulted with a clinical psychologist. It was called Dr. Heather Bolton, who was amazing. She'd read 50 pages that I wrote, just put a red line and go, this is all terrible, factually incorrect, <laughs> offensive. This and seems like it came middle. from Instagram. No. Absolutely. <laughs> well, th- no, honestly, one of the things that I have to, and I will, I will use my soapbox to say this, which is you cannot trust an Instagram thing Unless it's being posted by some doctor, right? Yes. Good graphic design doesn't mean they know what they're talking about, right? Just because just it's got some sea and dolphins in the background of the text. 100%. Just because the font is lovely doesn't mean that you can fly, you will break your ankle. Yes. Yeah. Although I, you know, I talk about it on this podcast. I do think Instagram is actually amazing for a lot of mental Sharing health Sharing resources, accounts yes. that post affirmations. It's a great it's- way to do it. It's wonderful. Nedra Tawab, we give her a shout out every time. Do you follow her? Yeah, I've seen lots of people share to the stories. Yeah. Just a beautiful, wonderful thing. Um, And you talk a lot about like moving your body as well, which Mm. is like getting out there. And unfortunately, it is true. The humans are biologically designed to walk slowly behind a woolly mammoth until the woolly mammoth runs out of breath. And then we put a stick on it. So when we are not walking and maybe thinking about killing something and eating it, we get stressed and sad and we start worrying about, you know, our friend that hasn't texted us back for two days and we go into a terrible anxiety spiral. It's just not what humans are meant to do. Yes. And do you think that you are, you're talking about social anxiety and saying, so I'm so interested in how many performers for want of a better description (laughs) are socially anxious. Like, how I mean I I can relate as well Mm. but like I don't think I have it particularly badly going on stage and speaking not my thing doing this Mm. fine by me um is how did you feel before we did this for example I felt okay before we did this I actually sprayed myself with a fragrance and then I looked Mm -hmm. at myself in the mirror and thought what the hell is wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) so just just so you know when I was getting ready for this podcast I thought I need to smell nice for Chris, so you know, make, make of that what you will. That is that is my brain running in autopilot right there. Wow. Okay, I that's really interesting. you come 
with uh, a sense of safety. I think this is okay. the Homo Sapiens podcast. Is this a safe space so we can have a nice conversation? Great. I've got this. Walking into a room full of strangers, I'm thinking, I trust none of these bitches. I don't know what any of them are thinking. <laughs> they might be holding sharp objects. I don't want to go in that room. And for right. me, going on a stage is doing something on my terms. So it's yes. empowering. When I think uh, I've got something important to say, maybe it'll make some people laugh. I can waddle on, have a nice time. That's fine. Crossing the street, getting on a bus, I'm looking over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, Who are these people? What do they want? I don't trust them. And it is very interesting how there is a profound difference between that. And does it mess with your head because half the time people are looking at you because they recognize you. There was a time of that. I realized that if I wear mask and a Mm -hmm. hat, I just look like any slightly tall Caucasian male. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Another uptick of the privilege. I could just look like any vanilla loaf walking around (laughs) and I'm incognito. I went to a My Chemical Romance gig the other day and I posted the picture from my Instagram story the day after and everyone, because they were doing two nights in a row, someone went, oh, we're going to look for him while he's here. And everyone's like, we saw you. We saw you. Hope you had a great time. So like, you didn't see me. You just saw someone else with brown hair. Is that how uninteresting I look? That is how average I look. I look like a default character on a video game. When you select male on like a Nintendo Wii and it's just some round thing with brown hair, that's me. That's what they're saying. And I have to accept that. That's hysterical. It is, uh, was it Steve Martin, the comedian, or was it Harrison Ford? One or the other. I think it was Steve Martin who said he hated the pandemic for that reason, because wearing a mask meant no one recognized him. So he was like, no one treats me special at all. I don't get to the front of any queue. Like, (laughs) it's very funny. And yeah, he was like, I can't wait till this is over. But you quite like it. Yeah, I love to just uh, ephemerally disappear into a fine mist socially. And (laughs) evaporate. Mm -hmm. So here we are on the precipice of you going on a big tour. And you chose the title, We're All Doomed. Yes, Um, I did. (laughs) Would you mind just illustrating for a brief moment how precisely we're all doomed and how long we have left? I basically Mm -hmm. thought it would just be really funny to drive past a theatre and see we're all doomed in massive letters around the world. And that was just the main reason why I wanted to do it. I'm just putting that chaotic energy out into the world. But in the last two years, I spend a lot of time opening my phone in the morning, doing an old doom scroll, looking at Mm -hmm. the news, taking a little look at Twitter, seeing everybody arguing. Terrible things in the world, didn't you know? The sea level's rising, the bees are dying, Mm. the cops are corrupt, all of this, the, the politics, oh, everything's terrible. And then yep. you're just expected to go about your day as if everything's fine. Just mm-hmm. tippity tap at your keyboard as if everything's normal. That's weird. We are all so weird. And this is <laughs> the strange reality that we live in. That now mm-hmm. we're all so educated and the older generations have done so many terrible things. We find ourselves in this big old mess and how do we cope with it? And I thought, what is a good motivation for a comedy show other than every most terrible thing in the entire world because whilst it might sound doom and gloom i figure this is very relevant to our therapy conversation if Mm -hmm. you just put it all out on the table and you're actually honest about it maybe make a few inappropriate jokes about our inevitable death then we'll feel instantly a lot better about it because we've just Mm -hmm. verbalized the thing that we were afraid of and maybe if we Mm -hmm. do some talking about it and we think the kids will be all right there's hope for the future We just need all the boomers to die and then everything will be fine. Maybe there'll be some hope, but if not, 
at least will have laughed about it a bit. So I thought it's very important. Again, this is me just taking the thing that I'm stressed about, putting yes. it onto you, and then saying that that's some kind of entertainment. But I do think it, it will be quite funny. Okay, well, that's clear. If we are all doomed, and like you say, the bees are going to go, yeah. and the world's going to be on fire, mm. how do you feel about death? Well, death is inevitable. You mm-hmm. kind of just have to deal with it at some point. But the journey that I've been on personally is I spent a lot of time when I was younger worrying about what was on the other side and what it all means and how we don't have any answers and how that's Mm -hmm. kind of scary. And I just want to lie face down on the carpet and roll around for three days because why am I supposed to care about what I'm doing if this is inevitable? But then you have to have this full circle moment where if you're having an existential crisis, you realize how absurd it all is. Because if we'll never know the answers... It is up to any of us to not go, oh, everything's pointless. But actually, things can have whatever point we want them to. And the the meaning of life is just to do things that make you happy and to not waste time worrying about it. Because when you accept there are so many things that you aren't, you can't control, other people are out of your hands, you're not God, you can't be so stressed about all these things. It gives you a wave of freedom that just allows you to drop the baggage mm-hmm. and then just do the things that make you happy. Have fun with your friends, enjoy nice food, drink that wine, watch that Stranger Things, don't go for that jog. And when you <laughs> realize the world will never make sense, there's something very peaceful about that. But is there any part of you, for, I have a part of me that is like, I think I won't die. Um, I, I do think that the old black mirror, we will upload our brains into the cloud thing will happen. So I will, really? when I'm maybe like 52, be living in some kind of Haber Hotel runescape situation, <laughs> role playing as an elf, <laughs> designing little rooms like I'm on The Sims. And I can just do that for 10,000 years until the computers stop. And that's okay. Either way, I'll be fine. Would you do it if they offered it? 100%. Yeah. You would. The, the Sims is a lot nicer than real life. I'd say just cut me short, like 36. I've had enough time. Let's go now. There's no point just dilly-dallying, being stressed about stuff. Are you being serious? Uh, slightly. <laughs> I would put in a clause that's like, and if in 10 years I say I'm bored, I yeah. can stop. But I just want to try it because if I can turn into a dog or fly, that might be really fun. <laughs> okay, Cool. Well, that's logged here. Consider this your last will and testament. 100%. Everyone will remember that. Thank you so much for taking the time. Good luck with the tour. And you've got two London shows, right? I'll come to one of those. Whichever Palladium show resonates with you emotionally. (laughs) (laughs) I bloody love the Palladium, though. It's amazing. Did you know that the London Palladium had their backstage area renovated for Nicole Scherzinger and Cats? It's amazing. And this is a gay gay fact. I'm claiming this is a gay fact. Backstage at the Hammersmith Apollo, where they do live at the Apollo, horrible. Basement, Mm. sweaty, smelly. There's just a leather sofa. You go to the Cat Nicole Scherzinger Experience dressing room. There is a carpet. There is a futon. There are fake plants. Because she said, I am only going to do a residency in this theater and do cats. If you make this dank basement into a livable environment, it has a mini fridge and scented candles. So I just want to say thank you to Nicole Scherzinger for being a diva. You have changed my life. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, because I went to, I've been backstage at the Palladium pre-Scherzi and it was a dump. Absolutely horrible. You'd think backstage at the Oscars, it's going to be amazing, right? Champagne flutes and gold. No, I did a show at the Dolby Theatre. It's just a pink, like brick, exposed walls, dripping pipes. And you think, where does Ellen sit? 
I don't believe this. I've been gaslit my whole life about the experience. Yeah. Because, you know, they pay for the front side of it. When you're in the back side of it, get on the floor smelly. Nobody wants to talk to yeah. you. And that is lifting up the curtain of life. What a delightful man. Someone who can just access the truth about what they're feeling instantly. You know, I love that stuff he was saying about spraying himself before the interview. Just being really honest. And I just feel like it's the secret to all things. If you're honest, which is not easy to do every day, but if you're honest, you connect with people. And it's remarkable because I think people see you being honest and they go, oh, cool, I'm going to be honest back. It's wonderful. Next week, we've got a double episode because I'm so excited about this. We're going to be speaking to Vic Liu. She had set up an Instagram account called Bang For All. And basically what it's about is masturbation for all genders and abilities. It's sort of taking that idea of like, you know, everyone on the sexuality and gender spectrum. So trans people, non-binary people, everyone in between, people with disabilities, uh, intersex people. How do we all get off? So she's written this book. It's called Bang, Masturbation for People of All Genders and Abilities. It's like you can write in it yourself and stuff. And it shows you how to get yourself off and how to remove shame from masturbation. I just think what she's doing is amazing. It's so pertinent for queer people. I love it. Well, it's about queer people. Uh, So that's one episode. And then we've also got a whole episode about life as a queer farmer in Herefordshire because we're talking to Ben Andrews, who is a gay farmer. He's on Instagram, Ben Theo Andrews. He's a gay farmer. He set up this thing called Agrospect, which is all about how to be a queer farmer. But not only just a queer farmer, it's also about being a a farmer on the margins. We also talk about racial diversity in farming uh, in the UK. Where are we at? How's it looking? And we have a whole chat about what that is like. And his family story is just beautiful and touching and actually, uh, you know, has a really lovely sort of arc to it of uh, difficulties that are then resolved. And it's inspiring to know that even if members of our families aren't on board at the beginning, we can absolutely get there over time. Time is a beautiful healer often. So have a listen to that get in touch as well it's at homo sapiens on instagram facebook is at homo sapiens podcast email your comments questions and agony uncles to hello at homo sapiens podcast.com now there's a woman standing outside my house with a clipboard never good is it oh my god do you think she's here because i've got to get a bit of tarmac laid outside the house do you think she's here to do that she looks like she's surveying I could always ask her, but that would be not very English, would it? Um, all right, listeners, loads of love. Thanks so much. Bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.